Shio, shio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Creative Native Podcast. We're on a bit of a roll over here. We got some great conversations lined up, and we're going to keep it rolling with this really great episode with uh, Damon Bellholzer. Uh, he uh, grew up in a little village in Heidelberg, Alaska, made his way all the way to the NBA in the Boston Celtics, played internationally, uh, came back to the States to really focus on giving back to his community. And now he's really doing a lot of really great things, leading initiatives like Break the Bicycle um, to promote not only physical health, but mental health. Uh, We talk a lot about his recent work with men and facing their trauma and overcoming that and becoming um, just more um, positive, successful, all-around good men, and we can't talk about you know Native women without talking about Native wi- Native men. And so I think this is a really great um, conversation where we we get into kind of the complications uh, between the genders in in Indian country. And so I, without further ado, here is the episode with Damon Bellholter. Enjoy. Awesome. All right. So. Damon Bellholzer. So for people who, who don't know, don't know you, how can you tell us a little bit about kind of your journey and um, how you grew up and how you got to kind of where you are right now? Mm-hmm. Tetlanas, Iskian, Kajadi, Gusudi Gwalagim, Halas, Iskian, Singadao, Ejum, Hitandalai, Iskian, Kikong, Awanas, Ejum, How Aganus Chish. My name is uh, Dan Beholder, and I am uh, indigenous. I am Haida and I'm Slingit. I belong to those two tribes, and my father was, or is, African American, so I'm of African descent, African descendant, and Indigenous descendant. So, I uh, grew up in a small community, Hikdahunlai, Heidelberg, a town of about 300, and I was very, very fortunate that you know I was raised in a very cultural upbringing, and I learned my language. I learned to hunt, fish, and like I said in my introduction, you know I am part of the Tsetlanos and. Uh, Kajadi, which is Kajadi, is on my Shlingit side, and Tzatlanos is on my Haida side. So I've been very, very fortunate to grow up in, you know, in a household and in a community where the, the presence of our culture was very, very strong. And growing up, I didn't really have a choice on how, engage, how I was going to engage with the culture. Just that's how it was because my mother, Talkuns, like I said in my introduction, her high name is uh, Tal Kuntz, which, which means the strongest man in the copper. And I was very fortunate to watch her lead and teach our culture and be a cultural bearer and a dance group leader and a speaker. And I watched all these things from the time I was a little kid. And those things are what I feel like propelled me to my successful basketball career. And until I was an adult and in my mid-20s and I started to really look at my journey, I realized that. I had done something really special, um, which was, you know, 
make it make my wildest dreams come true and I made them come true and then it was very I was very fortunate enough to have you know basketball lead me into what I do which is you know work with young people and I've been doing that for 11 years and that's you know that's I think that's what I really acknowledge is that I was very fortunate that I had the upbringing I had if I don't have my culture then I don't make it to where I made it and um, those are my proudest moments is for people to hear uh, about my culture about the height and thing of people through my platform I created through just me accomplishing something in basketball and people being able to read these tri- about these tries because people are interested in my story and that's what I realized was it was just kind of rep- like my my journey from Heidelberg represents hope for a lot of kids and um, I have had to acknowledge that it wasn't just me and that's why I always highlight my upbringing my mom and the people who instilled so many powerful traits in me and gave me the resiliency to, you know, make it to where I went. Yeah. So uh, for those listening, I actually, um, Damon was a big part of my inspiration for my, my dissertation on native athletes giving back. And I, I, I don't even remember, I think it was when you were in college, when you, I first heard of you starting to do camps and things like that. Mm. But so I came and spent a couple of days with you uh, two years ago and we did a lot of video and audio and recording. And I'll, I'll never forget when we went to your, your high school. Um, mm-hmm. And can you, can you expound a little bit more about how you kind of got to that, got to that high school and how that was kind of a bit important step in your, in your career? I mean, it was really important for me to have opportunities. I went to Mount Edgecum my freshman and sophomore year and I expressed how important that was for me. Those two years were um, some of the most important years of my life, I feel like because I was pushed really, really hard and I was given a lot of seeds and I always express, and I talk about Archie Young, my high school coach, you know, he laid into me from the first day of me being at Mount Edgecombe and he held me to a crazy standard. And, you know, he's a very well-respected coach from the state of Alaska. He's in the basketball hall of fame in Alaska. And I knew in order for me to be successful, I had to go see Archie. <laughs> and the biggest mistake I did was call him Archie the first time I met him. And he made me. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I saw, he's like, yeah, it's, it's coach actually. And I'll see you at 6am tomorrow. So, you know, that was our relationship for two years, but it was me like wanting to be around a man. I, I was terrified of upsetting or disappointing, but I knew he was safe, you know, and that was a really, really important thing. Like, that kind of springs me into like these conversations when I talk about the boys stuff and the men's stuff is that like a lot of guys didn't have safe men, you know, or men who could hold them up or push them. And he pushed me really hard. And I used to call my mom on a daily basis crying. <laughs> I'm like 14, you know, and he was just hard on me. And I would be like, Oh, he's just, he only, he only yells at me. He only, every practice, damn it, Damon, every game, damn it, Damon. He was always just laying into me to a point where people still talk, still talk about these stories. And he says that he's like, you know, I wish I could have done things differently because I was so damn hard on you. But like people say, like everyone knows that he's like coaches like a college coach. Like he's extremely intense. And I was telling people like his players now because I work with them whenever I'm in town. I was telling his players, you guys, like you guys think he's tough now. You guys, you guys have no idea because he's still very, very intense and hard on kids. But it's because he leads with love, you know. But with me, he was young, fiery, and he just saw this kid who could, you know, could potentially do something special. And he just freaking pushed me so, so hard. And once I got to college, I was like, oh, okay. Because I was enabled, like, so my junior and senior year, I was very enabled as far as being able to do whatever I wanted. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't understand, like, when we talk about this mental health stuff and I talk about it, I can't go around complaining about the circumstances I had because people look at it and see it as something so magical. 
which at the time it was, but I'm being like enabled in a heavy way where like, I'm, and I tell people, put yourself in my shoes, 14 year old kid, 15 year old kid. I go out in the circuit, I start traveling, you know, and I make a team sponsored by Nike. My mom, from the time I was 15 years old, my mom never had to pay for another pair of basketball shoes again. Like I had these coaches sending me like, and it was perfectly legal and whatnot because there's a Nike sponsored team and I was getting shoes. I always had Nike shoes and um, they're flying me down here every weekend, you know, and they're paying for everything. And next thing you know, I'm being recruited by schools all over the country, like Lute Olson from Arizona, you know, Coach Romar here at University of Washington. I have all these like, you know, Tony Bennett, he's freaking at Virginia now. He was at Washington State and he's a <laughs> pretty legendary coach, you know, and I had, you know, I had a really special opportunity, like, to be seen, like, it was like, amazing, like, I'm a village boy straight out of Alaska, and next thing you know, I'm playing in a tournament in Houston against the best players in the country, and I'm looking into the stands, and there's Coach K and Roy Williams, and I'm, a, again, like, a village boy, I don't, people where I come from don't get exposed to this stuff, people where, it, it, like, you go to the biggest reservations in the country, a lot of them don't even get exposed to these things, yeah. you know what I mean, and I'm a village boy, sure, and, like, I made this team, I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, you know, I didn't realize yeah. how small the percentage was, I didn't realize, like, what I was about to sign up for, and a lot of people think, like I said, it looks glitz and glamour, but, like, you know, it's mental health people are talking about, and, like, Again, I'm a 15-year-old boy, and I immediately, you know, I'm, I'm known throughout Southeast, and I'm known through Alaska by the time I'm 16, you know, and I have a big, I have a big personality, you know what I mean? And then I have a chip on my shoulder because when I go to Keha, I catch a can, which is a predominantly white, it's basically all white people, and I'm this white community that doesn't like, you know, that there's this Haida kid, because everyone knows I'm Haida, if you run into me, everybody knows I'm Haida. This Haida kid and this black, this Haida and black kid, and Flinga kid is basically the face of the team to the point where people are emailing my coach, um, asking why is Damon get the ball all the time? Emailing the newspaper, why is Damon in the newspaper all the time? <laughs> like, all these people are, they're pissed off because I had a chip on my shoulder, but everyone put me in a box. So I was like, okay, if that's what you guys want, then I'm going to be that, you know? And that's what happens is like, you have to put on this, this kind of this thing in a sense. And I mean, I was like, okay, I'm just going to adopt that. Okay, go ahead. I'm not going to do my schoolwork. Oh, people will do it for me. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, I'm oh, people will let me slide because I'm, I'm Damon Bell there. You know what I mean? But what it had me pay attention to is how other people of color were treated there. You know what I mean? where I would, I created privilege for myself. That's when we talk about privilege and all these different things. Like I have privilege. I 100% have privilege now. But I don't have privilege if I'm just another black and native kid from Heidelberg that's hanging out in Heidelberg right now. I had you can't to like, pick up a basketball and, you know, play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had to be like, come one of the small, small percentage to create my privilege. So I'm at K-High and, you know, I just, I'm enabled heavily because the coaches don't want to get mad at me. They don't, they don't know how to coach me. And at the end of the day, it's like Archie knew how to coach me, but he said he didn't even know how to coach me because I was just a kid that like Carlos Boozer was the last guy to like even go to where I went, you know? So Archie said he had a lot, he felt like he had pressure on him because he didn't want to mess up with me in a sense of like, you know, because I have so much potential. And when I was at KI, the, 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 it was kind of the writing was already on the wall in a sense, like, I'm, you know, I, I became nationally ranked, you know, and all these things started happening for me. And like, again, I was so enabled, like, oh my gosh, I would like, so stupid. I would, <laughs> I would like, I'll have my, like my team would be over, like we'd be just hanging out or whatever. I'd come out with my boxes of letters and like show them. And like, it was just, cause it was just like something like you watch it on like TV. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. stuff I was experiencing, yeah. like you're, you watch this on like TV and you watch it on ESPN and I'm like, whoa, this is happening. 
happening to me. It's like, I don't know how to do it. Nobody knew how to do it. You know what I mean? No one knew how to guide me. And I wish I had someone to guide me, you know? So that's the mm-hmm. hard, hard part. But at the end of the day, it's like, everything happens for a reason. And I realized like, it's, it's just like, I'm, I'm just fortunate, you know, in a sense that basketball was able to open up all these doors, but I always knew I wasn't just going to be a basketball player. You know, that's what we talked yeah. about. <laughs> Yeah, you were, and I feel like you still kind of are, like, a celebrity, you know, in, in, <laughs> in a lot of sense, like, with that, and how, I, I get asked all the time, why aren't there more, more natives playing in college, you know, why, why, and I think a big part of it comes down to opportunity that they're not given, but what do, what do you say to that, what, and, can, like, kind of talk a little bit about your experience and being that, that small minority, I see a, an issue, too, once, Native kids just getting there, but then also when they get there, not feeling like they fit in. Can you can you talk about your college experience a little bit? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's like a two sided thing in a sense of like, yeah, a lot of our native kids aren't ready to be coached um, at those levels. And I was just having a conversation about college sports, and I'll tell a story uh, about my college experience and how like college is like, and we're really breaking things down. We're talking about like because like it really decolonization really led me into thinking about the mental health aspect of college athletics and how these coaches feel like they own you and they could demean you and disrespect you. And there's so many times I was called, you know, a pussy and a bitch and all these, you know, these, these (laughs) harsh things and told like, you know, literally coaches said, well, you're a waste of a scholarship, blah, blah, blah. And how many times our coaches would bring up that their livelihood was on the line if we, if we didn't perform well, it's like, what are we getting from this? Okay. We get a scholar, a college education or whatever the case may be, but um, we're not, you know, like I, I barely, I, t- I barely talked to one of my coaches, you know what I mean? Here and there, like from college, like none of them, like really, I would, I wouldn't say at the time they care about you, but the same thing is like the slave owner mentality of what can you do for me? If you're not, if you can't, if you can't win me games and you're useless to me, you know, you're, you're a means to an end. Yeah. And that's all it was. And like, I had to acknowledge that was like that, that these coaches will, will get you there. And I, and my, one of my biggest hardest stories was I was like, I, I had a big sophomore year, you know, I was all conference, I had big games against some of the big, like my, I played Miami that year, Missouri. I had really, really big games and university of Washington was like on, they wanted, they were begging me to come out here, back out here. And at the time, like I look at it now, which is funny. Um, I would have had a crazy amount of indigenous support because every freaking tribe in Washington is a UW fan. If they do a high right? kid, oh my gosh. And I, did, like, yeah. I look at that now from like the platform. It's so funny. But yeah. um, back then I was like considering transferring. I was this, this close and I was telling like I want to be closer to home you know like if I'm freaking at UW like my family could come down and watch me Alaskans would come watch me all the time and I got manipulated and guilt tripped you know what I mean into staying where I had a coach highlight the fact that he had just gotten because I had a big year and he recruited me you know what I mean so it's literally property you know what I'm saying because I had a big year he gained more power and climbed the ladder on the coaching scale and it's like and he held that over my head of like, oh, man, I just got, you know, I just got moved up. Boom, boom. If you leave, we're not going to be good. He had the whole entire team call me in a 10-minute window. Like, everyone, you know, and I was I had a big empath. So, I, yeah. I was like, oh, I can't let people down. I'll, I'll, you know, there's so many people relying on me, blah, blah. But at the same time, like, I can't live with regrets because I have Isaiah now, you know. So, like, the other day, if I leave Oral Roberts, then I'm not – I don't have Isaiah so my thing is like 
these coaches, you know, the system is so terrible. The college athletics, a lot of it, they don't take care of kids. They don't give us the tools in a sense. Some do, a lot do. And um, my experience, that was what my experience was, was like a lot of up and down emotional roller coasters. I'm out in the Midwest. I'm out in Oklahoma. It's not near home. I'm not by my culture. I can't fish, all these things, you know? And like, there's so many things I'm missing. And because my mind was so set on basketball, I went to Oral Roberts because they're fresh off three NCAA appearances that just knocked off Kansas year before. And I looked at their, their constant trend. They always had very, very good power forwards, which means they played through their big men and they're probably looking for yeah. a very good. So I was like, Ooh, okay. Like I'll come there. I'll be the man. Boom, boom. And like, I'm top 10 in a lot of categories there. And I, had a, I was hurt my whole entire junior year, you know? So like I had a great career there, but at the same, again, they don't take care of you. They don't care about you. You know, when we, people were wearing our jerseys or coming to our, the games, like we don't get any of that. We played Utah my sophomore year and we beat them. I had a big game. We beat them. The coaches come in. They're like, yeah, they paid us 500,000 to come whip that boom. Blah, 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 right. And I'm like, hmm, cool. What do we get from that? You guys. Yeah. We're, where do you say that? <laughs> you guys, you guys get a nice bonus and you guys, we go over to their houses. They have these big, they have big houses and everything. It's just like such a flawed system, you know, college athletics. And I'm glad they're finally turning things and getting paid. But going back to the native part is like, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. You know, a lot of our indigenous kids aren't ready for that type of system, unfortunately. You know what I mean? And you have to be, you have to have a very, very thick skin and you have to be able to be extremely resilient and understand like it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's a system. It's one big system. It's one big business. And then you have to and, under, that? No, I was just gonna say, and I think people need to acknowledge when they ask that question, like, why aren't more natives going to college? It's like, well, what college needs to change? What the, the system needs to change? You know, it's not our kids that maybe need to necessarily change. You know, it's it's knowing that that system absolutely. It's both. It's both sides because yeah. our our reservations, our small communities, are freaking telling these kids how good they are, and then what happens is they don't really play against good players, and then when they get exposed, that's what happened to me. You have to get humbled. I'm sorry, but a lot of, mm-hmm. we don't teach indigenous kids how to fail. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't. We're not mm-hmm. teaching them how to fall on their face and learn how to get up. That's what, that's what it is. You know, that's anything. And that's where I have a hard time is because again, I'm a big empath, but at the same time, I, it's funny. Like I look at like, you know, Brene Brown is, mm-hmm. so I look at my yep. approaches. I, you know, David Goggins is, mm-hmm. it can't hurt me book. So yeah. I feel like my, my, my views and my approach and mindset is literally like a split of Brene. I have that, I can make people feel seen, heard and valued, but I'm also, yeah. I want to fuck, like, I, 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 cause my thing is like, I've experienced so much dang trauma and severe trauma and I have a hard time because, but I had to learn about trauma and meeting people where they're at, you know, is that mm-hmm. I'd be like, I made it through this. I was called a nigger every single day from the time I was in second grade till I could really defend myself, you know? And, you know, I was beaten. I was, I saw domestic violence, all these things, you know, all these horrible things happened to me. So my mind says like, I made it through that. Why can't you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I had to, I had to take that out of my, I had to take that out of my mind and I had to really learn about understanding trauma and not gauging my experiences by other people's experiences, but realizing whatever happened to them maybe have been the, that may have been the worst thing happened to them. You know what I mean? So I can't gauge, gauge my, what I've experienced. So that's what happens too is, remember I was talking with one of my, a guy from Heidelberg and I'm not even gonna lie, like I shared this before, I could count 10 guys that legitimately, I know what it looks like, legitimately should have played some type of college basketball from my town. That's a town of 300 people. 
We have extremely like there's a guy, you know, he like sh- I'm not <laughs> he should have been a division one guard. Like there was like D one schools looking at him when he was at a JUCO, like partying his way out, and we were sitting there like a couple of years ago, we were sitting there talking and he was like, Yeah, my coach used to freaking boom, cuss me out. Well, and I had to, you know, I had to yell back at him one time. I'm just like, you know, like we gotta learn how to be coached too. And that's yeah. what happens a lot of times too, is and like we're, we're, and I, it happened to me, you know, I was very enabled for two years at KI and I got to do whatever I want, you know, and I got to be an asshole. I got to, you know, demean my teammates and, you know, because like they were, I knew like these guys are a bunch of baseball players essentially, you know, yeah. and like just, yeah. just like these guys who like play basketball and like in their free time kind of thing where I'm a division one prospect, you know? So yeah. I'd like, yeah, like there's this a lot that comes with it and you're, and you're in a big fish in a small pond and you got to learn to get humble. And I think that's what has to happen for native kids is they have to be exposed to real players early so that they know what it looks like, you know, and they're, and they're humbled enough. When I, when I started playing AU, I was humbled. When I got to college, I was humbled. When I went to the NBA, I was humbled. You know, you're you're constantly being humbled. And if you don't learn how to level up and say, okay, this is the, how this experience in this environment is, now how do I adapt? Because the higher you climb, the more alphas come into play. When you make it like the NBA is literally, they call it no boys allowed. Like the NBA is literally like the alpha of the alpha mindsets. And people don't understand like the minimal amount of confidence and arrogance that's required to make it that level is is very cocky in everyday life. These guys, like, I don't, like, people don't understand that, you know? Yeah. I, I, uh-huh. Like, I, like, I'm, I'm, I have a little bit, I'm cut a little bit from that cloth. <laughs> like, that cloth, you know, it's, it's something serious. And the reason I got it is because I'm in sixth, fifth, sixth grade playing with grown men at home, getting cussed out, being told if I drop the ball, I'm, <laughs> they're going to punch me in my head, you know? Like, that's the tough loving that I got as a kid. So I was ready for the coaching. Like, you know, I was ready to play with an all black team from Compton, you know, when I'm 15, 16. And I, I wouldn't say actually I wasn't ready, but I was, I was ready for the experience. You know what I'm saying? Like I was ready to adapt to it. And a lot of our native kids that come from the village or small communities, they have to learn how to adapt and understand the circumstance, understand they're not the best anymore. And you have to freaking work so freaking hard. You know what I mean? And you have to yeah. really learn how to like adopt this like alpha mentality, which then disarming that and taking that out is so, so hard. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's a, it's a tough, tough thing. So like, that's why I really express with like, especially indigenous kids. I tell them like what Goggin says, he like has this bank of things he keeps in his mind. That's what I do is like when I was at Oral Roberts, you know, and when I was at, and when I was making it and climbing, I'd be like, okay, I've experienced this, this, and this, this is nothing, you know? So being able to understand where I came from and that and at the end of the day, my mindset was like, I'm not going home. <laughs> I have yeah. to make it. I'm, I'm 16 years old out sailing on a sailing boat in Alaska, picking jellyfish off me. You know what I mean? Like stink, haven't showered in days. I'm just like, this basketball stuff has to work out. Yeah. That's the hard, that's the hard part, you know? And like you, you're, you're, like I said, you're essentially property. You become property. You become a piece of value once you show a promise that you're going to be something. And I had literally coaches thinking they were going to take along to college coaching jobs. You know what I mean? I had people, you know, I had like all these people like trying to get in my ear, you know? So like, it's a, it's a very, very lonely and difficult experience if you really 
get there. You know what I mean? If you're really mm-hmm. on that, on that, on that climb. And so like, yeah, all my experiences, like people didn't get to see a lot of it because like social media wasn't a thing. You know right. what I mean? So like people didn't really get to see, like they, people think I just popped up and I was on the Celtics. <laughs> like, and yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, like, like check the re- in my resume. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I was all American in college. Like I was national. like it, I, would, I climbed this very, very specific ladder because kids will write, write me and stuff and be like, Oh, how do I make it to this? How do I make it? To, I want to go as far as you did. <sighs> Yeah, but I I had to Where learn do I how start? to. Yeah. I had to learn how to not say, "Hey, your dream's not going to happen." But say, "Okay, here's what I want you to take from basketball: work extremely hard on these, these, these. Learn how to be a good teammate. Learn how to treat people right. Learn how to use your platform. Learn how to cooperate with others. Because in everyday life, literally, if you don't know how to work with people, you're done. Like I've worked with like companies and organizations and stuff and tribes who can't work together. You know what I mean? Like literally, don't know how to work together. And it's so and it's. And that's what I think that sports taught me is like, I could communicate with anybody. You know what I mean, I could sit, I could go anywhere and I could talk with anybody and that's my upbringing, you know? So I think that's what, for the indigenous people, for kids who want to pursue athletics, understand like it's just a vehicle. You know what I mean? You're not like a lot of times, sorry, but a lot of, everyone's going pro, you know, like it's not happening. Like in the last and 10 years. And even if you do make it pro, like that doesn't, you know, that's, you know, that doesn't last, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just like being able to realize, like, like I said, it's just, just to me, it's just a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then how, and I feel like it, you, you started doing camps and you were in college, right? When you started, mm-hmm. like, how, how did, how did you get into that? And um, I mean, I have, I mean, I'm guessing it was a little bit overwhelming at the time, you know, having all these kids, you know, working with these kids or was it, or was it something that came naturally? Um, you know, my freshman year, we did team camp at school at college and I saw how kids like gravitated to me and I did a camp back home and it went good. Power of social media, two people, you know, the community, Heidi Gwai saw that I was doing camps, asked me to come. But at the same time, like my, as my career was taking off, people, more people are hearing about me. So like, if you're not like, the other day it's like, I can't go teach a camp if I'm not killing it. You know what I mean? Like if I'm not hooping, yeah. if I'm just, yeah. I'm just a scrub trying to like, oh, I'm gonna teach you guys how to play basketball. Kids are gonna look at me crazy. That's what I realized too is like, I have to, I was like, in my mind, I was like, okay, I have to get to a certain point in this hoop stuff to where people could never argue. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So my thing was like, okay, like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like I lost a lot of my drive when like, I swear to God, like once I made it to the Celtics and I just got to meet like dap up KG, I was like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Realistically, realistically, I'm like, I, I made my dreams come true. I got here. People could say what they want. People could say two games, three games. It's like, okay. And that's why I ask people, and I'll mess with people sometimes. Okay, tell me a person you personally, tell me somebody you personally know that's put on an NBA jersey. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, it's like, keep, keep thinking, you know? And that's like, so at the end of the day, it's like a very, very small percentage. You're the only like, person I, I know, personally. <laughs> so I was just like, that's what I really emphasize. Like, I'm, I was fortunate enough to start an identity with camps and started focusing on other things to create, get my attention away from basketball in a sense. Cause like, I'd be, I'd be in during my seasons. I'd be like booking stuff like, man, I can't wait to go to camps. I can't wait to go to camps. I can't wait to go speak at this. And then like, I played like a couple more years internationally. And like, when I was over there, I was just like traveling around, hanging out. Like I wasn't locked in like that, you know, because like, I just knew like, I was like, I'm, what's, I'm, I'm good enough to freaking you know, kind of essentially just screw off and hang out and you know and not be that locked in you know because i know like i have like things so when i told you before like when i retired three years ago i'd already worked with you know 50 plus tribes 100 you know 70 tribes or whatever 
And uh, I just literally just bet on myself in a sense. I was like, okay, well, you know, people have found value in what I do, which started with basketball camps. And then I learned it, it came natural, the gravitation and the pull, but learning how to orchestrate. And you can go to teachers, uh, it's like teachers and educators always talk about how my ability to orchestrate a room of kids. You can give me a room full of second graders, first graders, and I'll have that room, kid, that room of kids silent, you know? And I realized my ability to do that, but it was, I had to keep honing it, you know? And that's through doing it. So I do like, I did start off like one camp, the next number two, and then eight, and then 10. Yeah, you want to tell a story, Damon? Okay, you tell a story. Well, come speak at this, you know? And then it literally led to, like, I've done education little pieces with teachers that are working in rural Alaska to teaching culture. Like, I teach, could teach, I could sit in my immersion, I could sit in immersion for two hours with people. You know what I mean? I teach a class. Like, I, I learned how good I was at directing oh, no. traffic. I saw it firsthand in case <laughs> when you were, I mean, it's amazing to me how you have command of like, I think they were like second or third grade. I mean, those are like, they're like basically toddlers. I'm just like, how do you do this? Like, yeah, it was, it was, just, it was pretty amazing to watch. I just had to hone that, you know, I just yeah. saw like, saw my abilities and like, that's what we used to do. You know, that's what our ancestors did for thousands of years. They found people with their gifts and they taught them how to hone those skills. So mm. people would call me disruptive and, and, and all those different things in class. I, I could make the whole class laugh. I was a kid who hung out with all the older kids and they would follow me to do dumb stuff, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. no one taught me, my, no one say, Hey, you have leadership skills. You know influence I mean? yeah influence like yeah. i know i know when i get excited about something i get a bunch of people excited about it you know yeah. so like that's what it went from was just doing basketball camps to like okay i could i, I taught me how to speak okay i could facilitate now because i could apply what i learned in basketball camps applying that to facilitation facilitating a circle because no what i do is i know how to i know how to i know how to gauge the room just like when i do a basketball camp okay let's work on this very simple footwork once I see where you are footwork wise, now I know exactly what I could do for the rest of the day. So the very first question I ask in a circle, what is like, I have a, a curriculum called creating a culture. I ask, put on the question right off the bat, boom, introduce yourself. You're seen, heard and valued. Tell me some things about yourself. Tell me why you're here. You know what I mean? Like really open people up and they go around the room that creates common connection. You know what I mean? Tell me three things you enjoy doing. Oh, I like that too. This person from across the room, I may not know just like in basketball camps, right? pairing kids up a certain way or putting kids in certain groups or putting this kid with this kid so they learn how to work better together because I saw this kid, he needs his butt yelled at, you know what I mean? Or something like that, you know what I mean? Oh, and this kid over here will hold him accountable, so I'm going to put him over here because this kid gets lazy. Or, I'm, right. you know, so I'll right. ask the question, what does culture mean to you? That's the next step. Okay, now I've seen where you're at. You know, I see where the room is now. What I need, I see what your concept of culture is. Now I know what I can talk about, right? Just like when I do my men's stuff, very first question, what does manhood or masculinity mean to you? Okay, now I know where we could start, right? So being able to gauge that, and that's what I learned to do is like just literally from basketball camps. I tell people, it's like, I just learned how to orchestrate and, and hold and like break down barriers and disarm people from basketball because there's guys I didn't like playing with, but I realized like, okay, I didn't have to depend on you. I have to be a good teammate even if I don't like you, you know? So that's what yes. taught me how to listen the people's stories and have empathy because we have we're so quick to, to judge somebody because they've heard something or we want to argue with people just based off a defense mechanism you know so like that's what basketball taught me and that's why i emphasize people is like it just gave me the skills especially with this stuff in pandemic like i've you know i'm i'm, I'm doing zoom calls you know i have a contract for zoom calls <laughs> you know yeah. and like i just realized how fortunate i was like 
I created these skills that people are paying me for life skills now. Nobody asked me to have a degree. Nobody asked me what my major was. You know, like I'm on a mm-hmm. panel. With, I'm I'm on a panel at Yale here this month. You know, I'm like, yeah. I was just, la- I was just laughing about it. Like, it's, you know, I'm not supposed to be. You know, in a sense. You know, so like that was my thing. Is like I just really emphasize that to kids when I'm talking. Was like, man, basketball is great. It is 100. But use what basketball can give you and the tools it can give you, because now like I'm gonna position where I'm nomading and whatnot and I get to work remotely from anywhere because I got to choose my passions I got to choose where I want to put my energy and I manifested this whole bike ride I was thinking about I was like man I really want to focus on boys stuff and men's stuff this year now everything I have booked over the next x amount of months is all focused on men's and boys stuff you know it's like that's what I was realized like I emphasize like whatever you want you know utilize the vehicles around you and in you you know that's what i did like all my relationships all my connections like i just get to travel around and hang out like i was you know i was with tosh and martin last week hanging out with those guys and like um you know i'm gonna bounce around the country and just you know go on hunts with with relatives and you know continue my biking and and that's why you get to control your own narrative if you utilize the vehicles around you in the right way you know yeah no you so much oh my god so much good stuff but you to me you really exemplify this idea of kind of decolonizing your life honestly because like you said you take basketball and you use it and you kind of you kind of in a sense you you have to kind of game the system and then you also have to like realize like you're not gonna yeah I I never thought you would be a nine to five guy like that's just not like that's you and that's (laughs) but like you said you have to learn how to like monetize what your skills are and like demonstrate your value which you've done and then you're like like you said you can travel and you can do this and you can do that and you're able to you know make that that all work was there something was there a turning point where you decided to to focus on the men and boys stuff or you know I, and like, I, I, go ahead oh uh this is a couple of years ago because like I don't like look into myself and like it's the thing is like <laughs> you think you're like it's like it's literally never ending constant work you know what I'm saying unpacking and unlearning our stuff because again like I to tell people is like me and Thosh and Martin were talking about that is Martin and Thosh they got their platforms once they already had lived a lot of life in a sense you know mm. I was literally thrown into my platform with all these magnifying glasses on me and as we know like our, our communities are hard on people man and and with the me too stuff happening i was sitting there like i had to look in the mirror and i was like, okay i've been disrespectful i've been harmful in ways and i have to acknowledge those things and you know try and connect with these these people i've hurt and it's scary vulnerable circumstance it's really scary you know and like putting yourself out there and like hey i was wrong and and now i've learned about trauma i've learned about what projecting is and i you don't know those things like as men we're not taught what coercion is you know what i mean literally like we're not taught what manipulative behaviors are of 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 being persistent thinking persistence is good and putting people you know we 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 don't know about any of those things and once i started to learn about all this stuff i'm like oh crap man like i've been a terrible human being and and it's not like i've i've I've, you know raped anybody or or you know done those things over the top or from my hands but understanding like manipulation these different coercive behaviors like it's harmful and I had to realize, like, I'm 15 years old traveling the country, and our first question is, what's your body count, bro? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're taught those things. 
mm-hmm. indigenous boys, man, indigenous boys are, we're taught those things black, you know, we're taught to, to, to disrespect women by the colonizers. And that's where exactly. I really started to identify. It was like, first it was like, Oh fuck man, I'm just terrible, terrible, terrible. Blah. I had to start looking in the mirror, acknowledging trauma and start paying attention to it actively trying to like figure out how to navigate through it and i started to see a couple of therapists and they're white people like hey like you know i know more about my trauma and experiences than you you can't help me man and i was just like trying to find answers i literally like you know what i'm just gonna create space for the dudes man and when people like because i started hearing about like men's houses and how our people traditionally do it and started talking to some of the elders they started, I was asking them, like, what did, what, like, like, how do we, like, is there guides to our roles? Like, you know, we don't have coming of age ceremonies anymore. These are so many ceremonies and, and things that, you know, are missing. So I traveled all these years, right? But I kept hearing, and I never, this click, and this is the thing of what I've done, of like, I've collected so much data, not even knowing it. I know what, like, I know the reasons for communities not being healthy or how, what, who are healthy and why they're healthy. I know the, the ecosystems of communities really well now, you know? So I kept hearing of all these prominent Native basketball players or athletes not making it, you know what I mean? Then I started to identify and look at the men from my town who didn't make it. I'm like, okay, this happened to them. That happened to them. This makes a lot of sense now. You know what I mean? And I started to see it's like, because the Me Too movement, it, it created momentum through stories because all these women had shared stories because they say, you know, I think it's what 86% of, of Native women experience violence and, and sexual abuse and these different things. Guaranteed, imagine the statistic for Native Indigenous men. It's guaranteed it's nine out of 10, eight out of 10. And that's what I'm doing right now is I'm collecting this because I kept feeling in a, cause the me too thing turned into a men versus women thing, but that's like the mm-hmm. white feminist idea behind it. That's white women behind us. We take back power. We're reclaiming power, but unfortunately a lot of our indigenous people and women have adopted that mindset too of reclaiming power of taking power back. That's not, that's not, that's colonized mindset, you know? And what I saw was I was just like, okay, like there's obviously nobody's talking about this fuck this. I'm just going to advocate and I'm going to figure it out. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I'm going to host circles and people ask me to come to a basketball camp. I'm asking, can we do a men's space? That's how it started. It was like two years ago, three years ago, because I just saw, I was like, man, like all this is turning into now is this, and and people, all these law women will be like, Oh, you're just sensitive for men, blah, blah. It's like, no, but because I see these boys, it don't hurt my feelings. I'm good. (laughs) Like I'm good. You know, it does not hurt my feelings whatsoever. You, these uh, men are trash. All men are trash, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't hurt my feelings. But when these boys who come from where I come from in these communities are told by white people they're not good, when they're told by their own women they're not good, when they're in these abusive um, circumstances, and I see that boys have nowhere to go or no one to turn to because we're told not to be soft and we're told we can't cry, that's where I started to see as okay, like, I'm just going to create spaces for men and boys. And then I'd be in these communities and men would be like, wow, man, like I need this. And, you know, boys will talk about it. And it's just like, how are men supposed to know how to change or how to improve or be the men that we want until we're given the language or space to even know what the hell that means. Women have, women have been able to talk about and identify what feminism is for the last 20 years or so. And really, you know, now we're seeing the big shift right now. It's because a ton of years of women's work. When have you heard men say, this is what masculinity means as an indigenous man, Mm -hmm. you know? 
so that's why I started. That's why I asked that question. Like the like the stories I collect and hear and stuff is like, to, like I I just want to scream to everybody like we're so far behind. You guys don't realize it, because and what's gonna happen is we're gonna have men are just gonna be left behind in a sense. You know what I mean? If we're talking again, if we're talking decolonization and stuff. We're talking about um, prolonging the culture and keeping the culture alive. How are you guys? How are women gonna get pregnant? <laughs> you know yeah. and that's how we're looking at it you know it's like it's it's not- a double it's a double thing because it's like you have to really hone in on your on your own culture and your specific culture but also decolonize it and at the same time you know it's like you you can't you can't it, yeah you're, you're just I, i'm people can't see me but i'm just like nodding so hard because you're just hitting on so many things it's like you have to you have to learn you have to un- unlearning honestly i feel like is almost harder than learning <laughs> heck yeah and that's the hardest part about it is like all you know i have to literally like you're constantly having to check yourself and and you know what i mean and yeah. it's just like that's what i was talking with tosh and martin about is like i carry a lot of shame you know what i mean of my behavior towards women and things that i've done and i've had to have several conversations about learning how to unpack that shame you know what I mean? And, and, and not hold on to it and understanding like it's a part of the process. And that's what Tosh said to me was that, you know, you're doing things for the right reasons, you know, and you know what you're doing and you just have to keep moving forward, you know? And yeah. my thing is I'm willing to jump on the sword in a sense for men to be given the space and the language, you know what I mean? Cause that's what has to happen because um, a lot of people are trying, probably wondering why I'm advocating so hard for men, you know, but they don't realize, like I said, is, you know, there's a study, it was like 45% of indigenous men report um, emotional abuse or um, abuse in general. And it's like, okay, there's 45%, but guess what? There's another 40% or so or more that aren't going to tell you one, because your, exactly. your, your data collecting is fucking not right. And two, they're just not going to talk about it because it's not manly. You know what I mean? If like, as men, if we don't, if we have something taken from us, we feel like we lost our masculinity. And like where I came from and all these villages and all these reservations, a lot of boys were sexually abused or molested because of, again, residential school. You know what I mean? Like there were all these harmful behaviors that were passed down to our men. And that's what I emphasize is at the end of the day, it's not a, who experienced it worse, but like we, we, you know what I mean? We experienced just as much harm but but I, th- I think it's worse right now because we've been able to see and speak about how it's negatively impacted women with murder and missing indigenous women and we're being we're elevating so many women into congress and where policies are coming into play but we're not realizing is like we nobody's talked about the things that have happened to men nobody's talked about how we were masculine nobody's talked about when the russians came across the Aleutic people and the Aleut or the Aleut people in saint paul they made the men hunt for them or they would kill their families you know what i mean when african men came across on slave ships the first thing they did is rape them with brooms to make them feel less than and take their manhood like there's so many systems that were created you know putting our men in jail look at the prison rates um we represent 14, 15% of Alaska, Alaska natives do. We mm. represent over 50% of the prison population, 90, 98% Alaska native men of that 50%. You know what I mean? Like our yeah. men are be, constantly being put in this prison to prison, this school to prison pipeline. We're not acknowledging it. And so many men are in wrongfully in prison and jail who can't have parent raise their kids. When we talk about, you know, fatherless kids, it's like this kid in my community who just passed away, you know, he has a baby on the way. There's another kid who's not going to experience, you know, another baby who's not going to know their father. We're not talking about that. So what, my thing is like actions, you know, like 
actions. And we, that's, we have to support each other. We can't, our women aren't going to be strong without our men being strong and vice versa. Okay. So, but that's um, the thing is women, yeah. women have had, had to be strong for so long. So like, mm. that's what they, that's, that's what's like the thing now, you know, it's strong yeah. indigenous women. And of course we understand 100%, but at the same time, like I said, decolonization isn't power balance. It's equal. It's, it's equity. You know what I mean? It's real yeah. equity. It's really acknowledging that both of us have been harmed negatively by colonization and slavery and, and assimilation and all these different things. Now let's start figuring out how are we going to support men while they heal and how are, because here's the foundation. Here's the steps. Like I, I tell people all the time, here's the steps. It's literally guys, here's what trauma is. Here's how you've projected it. Here's how it's negatively impacted your life. And here's why here's a history lesson on why your uncles are so mad. Here's a history lesson. Why your dad is abusive. You know what I mean? And the, once you break that down, you're able to start identifying what you feel and why you're so mad, why you're abusive, why you turn to alcohol, why you turn to drugs. And once men do that, then it's, how do I have healthy relationships with other men? Because as indigenous men and black men, we're taught to emasculate each other. Mm-hmm. That's the next step, right? We have to have those conversations so that men, because there's nothing more powerful than a man holding a man mm-hmm. accountable. You know what I mean, rape, sexual abuse, all of a sudden, it's not a woman's problem, it's a man's problem yeah it's you know men men having you know healthy relationships with each other holding each other accountable that's what i really try to put on the universe is having healthy men in my life and men who hold me accountable and whatnot and like that's the next step and then it's how can we support women you know what i mean because like everyone expects to go from here that's what i learned again from basketball and development you know what i mean is like if you want to develop we have to um, we have to learn and we have to unlearn we have to practice we have to have people hold us accountable, just like in basketball. You know what I mean? You have to have somebody hold you accountable. Make sure you're doing things the right way. Make sure you're putting your time in the gym. Make sure that what that means is make sure you're getting on Zoom calls with your network of men. You know what I mean? Of, of the guys that you talk to that hold you accountable. Like Martin, I talk, called, called Martin for an hour and a half yesterday. and We talk about nothing but trauma and freaking relationships. You know what I mean? And like those are the conversations we need to be having with men until you get that point of having those healthy situations. Not a lot of men, because a lot of men don't have that access to men like that. So then it's like I said, it's it's finding that one guy or whatever. And you create your network. You know, it's that's how you grow this. Is it's we have to like have these steps. But a lot of people, not just women, but society, isn't willing. Because people ask me like, "Are you guys talking about trans people and two spirit?" I'm like, "Our guys aren't there yet." <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I wish we were. Like, I wish yeah. we were. But I'm sorry. Like, if we're talking about trauma and all these things you meet people where they're at and then you actionably help them or, and that's by, you know, giving the tools wherever the case is. So that's the thing is a lot of people will come to me and be telling me what I need to be working with men on, you know, and this is what happens. So, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I was on, um, I kind of share monitoring with break the bicycle page with a couple of the mm-hmm. guys and, um, someone gets on there, a woman gets on there and comments on a video because we were talking about the steps Men need healthy men in relationships and connections, right? This person comments like they also need to have healthy relationship with women. They don't. Even, they don't even follow the page. Yeah, you know what I'm saying it's like you yeah. literally came on here just to be argumentative. Mm-hmm. Go somewhere, like you know what I mean. Yeah. that's where that's where I'm at with this. Yeah. Is like if you're not willing to listen, then go. Then like we don't like. That's where I'm at with it in a sense of yeah. like if people aren't willing to like really acknowledge the why. Yeah, yeah, you have to actually engage. 
instead mm-hmm. of just spouting off. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have to go for another meeting, but I, I want to let you go too. But I do want to like give you um, a couple minutes to kind of just tell me about Frank the Bicycle and mm-hmm. uh, where people should follow and what people what you want people to kind of take away from from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Break the Bicycle is it's an opportunity for men to connect and have conversations and do it in a healthy way, you know, and that's what this one of the guys on my the ride, he was saying that he's like, I've never been around this indigenous, many indigenous men biking or just doing something healthy and fun and having mm-hmm. conversations about trauma. You know, I mean, we're on the bikes, like we're on the bike all dang day. So, you know, like our third to last day, we did, we climbed for four hours. Like we rode uphill for four hours. Like yeah. it was, it was beastly, but like it tests you mentally, physically, spiritually, you connect and you have to push each other. I'm relying on him. He's relying on me just like it should be in brotherhood and men's relationships. We should be able to push each other, see each other at our weakest points or when we want to give up and be able to have each other's back. Cause that's what it is. That's how our relationships are strengthened is through suffering together or going through adversity together. And that's what break the bicycle is about. You know, it's not, like I said, it's I've said to people, it's not about being the perfect person or the perfect man. It's about starting somewhere. Nobody else is starting something. So my mindset was, I'm going to go bike the coast and try and raise awareness. And that's what it's done. A lot of people are supporting now. We're going to create momentum. We're going to plan the next trip here pretty soon. And it's going to be um, a really special thing. You know, we're going to launch the nonprofit here soon and um, yeah. get it, get the ball rolling, you know, and like it, it was literally a vision I had in the spring. I had a vision of a bunch of black and indigenous men biking together. Um, and it just came to life organically. And that's what it's about is that, I just wanted to start something that could create space. And I've gotten so many messages from men talking about mental health. And I was on the ride, the last ride, and I was talking with a guy and I've had to like accept this in a way. <laughs> it's really humbling. Um, but we were riding and I was just talking. I was like, dude, like I'm navigating through so much stuff right now, man. Like I'm working my way. Like this summer was hard. One of the hardest summers of my life as far as just like the mental toll and the triggers that happened this summer. And, I was like, I'm figuring things out. I'm a nomad around. I'm going to do what makes me happy because I need to be happy right now. I've spent so much time sacrificing my happiness for everybody else and for way too long. So I was just like, hey, I'm, I'm on this journey. I'm trying to figure out. And he said to me, he goes, hey, you're bringing a lot of people with you. <laughs> I was like, damn, dude. Like, exactly. And that, and, and that was the thing for me is like, I had a big meltdown, breakdown, processing some stuff after the trip because I was just so happy and it felt really good to be acknowledged for creating this in the community rather than being on for my basketball accomplishments. You know what I mean? And that's, what's happening Absolutely. is I'm, I'm having the opportunity to step away from that. And, and, the, and so people understand, like, um, it's not just basketball over here. You know what I mean? Like basketball was literally just a small piece of me and I'm getting an opportunity to finally be able to explore all the other creative avenues of me and of who I am and explore who, you know, who, I, what makes me happy, you know? I haven't been able to do that in a decade, a decade or more, you know? So like I get to yeah. figure out how to be happy now and find hobbies. <laughs> yeah. It's been amazing to watch. I am so proud of you. And for people, you're still fundraising on your GoFundMe, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay, we're, so. we're gonna keep it, yeah. We're going to keep it going until we launch cool. nonprofit. And then um, our next trip will be in May. I may awesome. go that long, but you know, it's like a hundred thousand dollars. So we're shooting yeah. for those stars and, I think, yeah. you know, we'll just continue because, like, that's the thing is, like, I didn't hustle around it. I just literally just posted it. I br- I put it in my thing, posted it on my Instagram, but I didn't go to newspapers or anybody. I'm just, right. I just let this organically happen. You know, when yeah. it's supposed to happen, it's supposed to happen. When things are supposed to take off, it's supposed to take off. Um, it's going to be, it's organic. And I know the right people and the right men are going to support it and the right women are going to support it. And 
do it for the right reasons. And that's what it's about is that breaking the bicycle and breaking the cycle of you know, indigenous and black men's mental health and um, the stigma around those things. And that's why I encourage women to do it is, you know, take the time to check on their brothers or cousins, you know, because we're trying, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying, we're starting somewhere. And I promise you, we're trying, we're having these conversations, but we need to um, give specifically young boys um, opportunities to fail and teach them rather than shaming them. And, the call out culture and the cancel culture and all these things that are problematic, you know, and we all get to a point of just literally listening and giving space to share. It's like, that's what I want for communities. I want every community organization, health organization to really think what can we do for our boys and men? You know, yeah. that's, that's what I want people to understand. It's like, because, because it's not me saying that women don't matter, that nobody else matters. It's about if we could folk prioritize this, then our people will be safe. You know what I mean, then our community, healthy men create a healthy community. You know what I'm saying? Our healthy and healthy and our healthy indigenous men will create a healthier indigenous community. So the more, if we could prioritize, prioritize that, that's all I want. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's so good to see yeah, you and yeah. catch up. Um, you and also you should you should start your own podcast if you haven't thought about that already. So yeah, like, that's what I'm thinking about it too. Maybe yeah. you help me put together a pitch package. What I'm thinking about is <laughs> one of my plans right now. I might, um, yeah. I'm going to tap yeah. in with like some of these Sprinter van companies or RV companies, yeah. and I had a vision of hosting a podcast and driving around the country. Yes. Um, and and interviewing all these. Like, I have access to so many amazing people. Yeah. Um, that needed to have their stories told, you know, so like, that's what I'm interested yes. in. Uh, maybe we could talk more about you helping me because I don't know how to do all this stuff. Like, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Sponsorship decks and all that stuff. Cause Absolutely. I know, I know I could create the right stories and I could create a really cool product, but I just don't know how to do all that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So like, I got you. I definitely want to do a, a, a bike ride too at some point, like across the country or even just like, I don't know, 150 miles, whatever, but we want to, we got, we got to do that. That's, that's the next trip. Yeah. The next one, awesome. that's going to be, it's going to be the next one from Canada to New York. It's going to be, it's 3000 miles. Um, I was talking to the guys, I was telling the guys, I was like, I want to do, I want to do hundred mile days. I want to knock yeah. them out in 30, 30 days. Um, it's fucking, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause like that's yeah. the vision is having 10 solid riders who will knock out the whole thing and being able to have people come and join for segments whenever they want. And that's why yeah. I work with our RV company as well as, we want to support them. Um, I'm about to work with a bike apparel company yeah. to get us jerseys. I'm going to um, have one of my Haida artists design a jersey. And they're going to put yeah. out their potential, you know, so we're, there's a lot of really cool things. Um, so I think that's what it too is like, I would appreciate assistance or help with is this. Absolutely. Is learning yeah. how to sell these things and learning how to literally find money, you know, because like I yeah. said, it's like the product, I know the product is there. It's just like, I just have to learn because like I'm, with my basketball, it's literally just this, my basketball camps and everything. I don't, I didn't have to learn how to sell myself. The product right. spoke for itself. My career spoke for itself. Now with this, it's like, I have to iron in on language and like what I want to capture and being able to capture. So I think that's the biggest component is like, I want to lock in with one of these RV companies and, and learn how, to, how, okay, how will this pot, I mean, you know, that like I'll figure out how it's going to positively impact their company or give them good face or whatever. So I think that's what I want to figure out how to do. I'm going to start my podcast. <laughs> yes all right yeah I, i'm with you i got your back so good to see you Absolutely. um you. take care of yourself um and stay in touch i'll Absolutely. i'll let you know i'll let you know when i i post this probably probably later this week cool cool all right i'll talk to you soon appreciate you yes no appreciate right. you take care all right bye bye